Chris, we're so good at this recording thing. We're so good. And it's so, our first recording was so nice that we had to record it twice. <laughs> we're, we're just getting be- better with every iteration. At one point, we're just gonna, you know, write everything in advance. I mean, that would be so much preparation. Let's be honest. Who has the bandwidth for that? I did at some time and now I've given up. <laughs> <laughs> That's the lesson of life, kids. Always give up. Yes. Don't, don't work too much. And with that, welcome to the weekly hook. Oh, not the weekly hook. <laughs> welcome to Serially Hooked, House of the Dragon. We're your hookers, Chris and Rashad. And today, we toast to the air for a day. Find us wherever you get your podcasts and at seriallyhooked.com where you can get all of our latest info. Some programming reminders. This Wednesday, we have a new weekly hook coming out. And on Saturday, we have our special release of Lord of the Rings in anticipation of the premiere of Rings of Power next week. Ooh, it's a full week this week. We haven't had one of those in a long time, and I'm all here for it. Same, same. The more Serial Hook, the better. We'll be doing weekly reviews of House of the Dragon as every episode comes out this season, so be sure to stay tuned. And with that, let the tourney begin. Well, all right, unannounced, completely unannounced, and um, not really officially any part of anything that we're doing regularly at Serially Hooked. Here we are. We're going to talk about House of the Dragon. We've been waiting for the show for the past couple of years after the disappointing end of Game of Thrones. I think I can speak for everyone and say it was disappointing. And we decided that we're just going to go for it. We're going to talk about every episode of this season of House of the Dragon after it comes out. And we're just going to discuss what we think about things, how we think about things that are going to go forward. And I don't know exactly where we're coming from. So I think I'd like to ask Chris before we begin about how much he knows about the Dance of the Dragons, about House of the Dragon, about what's going to come, about these characters, because I have to know what I can say and what I can't say. Yeah, I mean, first off, hey, everyone, we, I didn't know we were going to do this until three days ago. So uh, it's, but it's exciting anyway. Um, and I am just like Jon Snow. I know nothing. Okay. Oh, wow. I have to change my notes now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know that there was a struggle. Like that's, that's uh, you know, the Dance of the Dragons. That has been kind of the, um, you know, a struggle in the house Targaryen, but I never knew any details. Because I've only read the first um, book of the Game of Thrones series. I don't know if it's in there somewhere. Okay. I mean, it's only mentioned in passing. And Mm. I think it happens more later on. But there is also the book Fire and Blood that is uh, an anthology or history of the Targaryen family. And that is where most of this information comes from. So a lot of it doesn't come from directly from Game of Thrones or A Song of Ice and Fire, but it comes from that specific book, which is a fun read. I really I recommend it, but it's not for everyone in that's not interested in specific histories of <laughs> House Targaryen. Yeah, I mean, I would I would I'm always in, uh, interested in stuff like that, so I should probably uh, look look for that once I've finished watching this show because I'm not going to spoil myself because that's just how I roll. This is, I think, going to be, is it billed as five seasons, four seasons? 
something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's not going to be concluded throughout this season, the whole saga. So okay. there, there is going to be ongoing stories. But it is good to know that you don't know who, spoiler alert, lives or dies or... I mean, it's Game of Thrones. Someone's going to die. Or I guess House of the Dragon. Someone's going to die. But you don't know how things turn out. So I will keep both my predictions as well as my reactions to things with a certain level of spoiler freeness in that case. Okay, cool. Yeah. I think that'll be good for the listeners as well. Because I think most people, if you're listening to this, I don't know if you're listening to this, if you know what's going on. But I would assume a lot of people haven't read Fire and Blood and don't know mm. the details of A Dance of a Dragon or Dance of the Dragons. So is is that like an extra book? Yes. Oh, interesting. Huh. So it's kind of like the Cimmerillion, but it's just like a history of the Targaryen family. I see. Okay. Yeah, in that way. Interesting. So I, I'd recommend it. I really, I really enjoyed reading it, but I read it years and years ago before the idea of this show was even like, you know, I mean, mm. in the middle of the Game of Thrones run, basically. So yeah, it's a, it's a fun read. <laughs> so, so let me ask you how, like, what kind of feelings did you have going into this? Because I, just to, just to be clear, everyone, I was very, and I still am a little like, I don't know about this after multiple letdowns of Star Wars series and also, you know, the, uh, the as you so nicely mentioned, the disappointing ending of Game of Thrones, which I thought was, a, you know, there could have been many expletives instead of disappointing. Um, but, you know, I was a little bit cautious. I didn't watch the trailer, though. So I guess that in, in Chris' logic, that means that I was kind of looking forward to it. But I'm little bit apprehensive and i still am a little bit uh i'm trying not to get my hopes up too high um but yeah i'm just wondering how it was for you coming into it or where i am now because we'll get to where i am now but coming into it there was a couple things one i if they were going to tell another story i'm glad they chose this one I think this show a lot or this story allows for some of the best of what made game of throws television show so good to come out again all this plotting and scheming and as Tyrion would say those are the same thing but this um palace intrigue i guess is a really cool aspect of game of thrones and i think this will bring out i was of course a little bit trepidatious because of the the end of the the last show but i think that the factors involved with them trying to rush things and um, Benioff and Weiss just doing their thing and just trying to get out as fast as they could. And the the nature of how that show ended, I think, was such a unique set of circumstances that I think that with HBO in particular is a very different model than something like Disney in terms of what they're trying to turn out. So I, I, I leave the disappointing Star Wars stuff aside when I'm expect with my expectations regards to regarding this. But I think the fact that they're telling the Dance of the Dragons, which I think is a good choice. George R. R. Martin is more in much more involved in this series than he was in the latter half of uh, the last show. I guess yeah. I'm, I'm avoiding naming the show at this point. <laughs> but um, he is much more involved in this and is making especially canon base canon changing things, if that makes sense. He's adding to uh, a lot of those things considering what he has done and the, his specific understanding of the world. I think with also 
them bringing back some of the people who I think were more successful in the Game of Thrones run, like Miguel Spochnik. Uh, I think there is. It came in with a. I came in with an open mind, excited, not really, really excited as I would have. Uh, no, that's a lie. I was excited. <laughs> um, and I think it was for me. It was. I saw the the optimism of let's get this right again. Mm, I, I see. That was a long winded way to say one in, one word, basically. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Do you, I mean you? Did you you laid out basically how you felt, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, don't, I, I want to ask you the same question, but I, but you laid it yeah, out. Yeah, I, I already answered it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I guess you you mentioned that you're still a little bit trepidatious after watching this first episode. Do you want to get into our reactions for the first episode of House of the Dragon? Absolutely, absolutely. All right. Let's do this. What'd you think, so, Chris? What, what, <laughs> yeah, I was just saying. <laughs> okay, so I'm yeah. As I said, I'm still a little bit apprehensive about it. It's a first. It's you know, it is the first episode. It has to introduce us to a whole cast of characters, and you know, if one of the um, main characters is um, not an adult, I frown. If some of the uh, visual effects maybe seemed a little weird, I frown. If some of the uh, choices that were made didn't sit right with me i frowned but overall i was like okay we're doing this i'm i'm fine with this i didn't know anything about the casting but i i was very interested in the casting choices to be honest like i love petty considine uh, at first i thought oh he's gonna play the he's gonna play king viserys is that the right choice but seeing uh, what kind of character he is i think he he nailed the performance and I'm going to be very interested to see what's going to be like going forward. I love Reese fans. I've always have. Uh, this first episode was like, okay, okay, he's he's just he's just there. Um, but they they've managed to set up a lot of the conflicts already. So I'll be curious to see what happens in the future. So you know, I'm. This is f- far from me saying this was a letdown. This is far from me. This is. Not so far saying <laughs> for me saying this was a r- really good episode. I think it was like a good to solid episode. It was an introductory one and they didn't do anything that was like horrendous as they did with the last few seasons of the former show. So I'm here for it. I wonder at what point we're going to stop comparing the two shows. And I don't know if that's ever going to be the case. Okay, but here's the thing. From a production standpoint their costumes their weaponry all of it just looks like game of thrones so if they wanted to kind of make it seem a little bit further apart it does it's not just oh this is 200 years earlier just make it i mean they do it a little bit with the um with the keep i guess in king's landing that that looks very different um but yeah just overall it just had the same look to it um so i think that's part of it for me i mean that makes sense it is the same world and the visual uh the visual i mean the visuals were never really the problem of game of thrones and they're trying to still continue that it is still (laughs) king's landing it is still dubrovnik it is still the same space that we're operating in and i guess in reaction to the first episode i have a very similar position where i think that this was a good first episode for me, it restored faith that, okay, 
this is good. Like this is okay. Like we don't. Mm-hmm. I don't. I. I'm not worried as I would have been. This is clearly of higher quality than anything in the last couple yeah. seasons of the previous show. But I, there are some you know strange things about this. I don't think it was great, but and it wasn't wasn't full of oh amazing moments. Mm-hmm. But that's okay, and that's that. It is what it is, and I think it's a good start and a solid foundation for a set of characters that I think are interesting and have different perspectives and different uh, interests moving forward. I think it's a great foundation for some of these characters too. And you mentioned the casting. I think they nailed the casting all all along the board. These characters, I think, were chosen really well. And I'm really excited to see how this progresses with these characters. Mm -hmm. I didn't see Matt Smith coming at all. I was like, oh, Matt Smith. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. But uh, but I'm here for it. Um, yeah, I'm just curious where, where they're going with it. And Yeah, I really like Damon Targaryen as a character. And Matt Smith is obviously great. I think I, I'm worried that he's too big. He's too famous mm-hmm. for the role. Yeah, like yeah. He's, he's just a level of stardom that we don't really see often in Game of Thrones. But... I mean, it's fine. He, he's he's good. He's good in the role, and that's all that really matters in the end. And we'll see more with Damon, obviously, moving forward. But it'll be mm-hmm. interesting to see um, how he fulfills really big shoes as a char- as a really interesting character. And I had to remind myself that uh, I, again, you know, drawing parallels with two Game of Thrones. But here we are. The fir- I, I was just thr- like just I was very confused during this first episode because I, th- I thought oh we're just following like one narrative at a time whereas game of thrones obviously largely was multiple narratives over over different continents uh, intercutting all the time but the first episodes not so much so that makes that also makes sense and i guess you know it is the house of targaryen and and now now that uh, daemon is physically somewhere else now that might change um, it was just funny f- to me to realize, oh, that's that's one of the things that I find weird, but that has nothing. That's not to the detriment of the show. That was just something I'm trained to think this has to be in at least six different locations. Oh, yeah. It seems kind of uh, small compared to that. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I really like some of the things like the friendship between Rhaenyra and Alicent. I think that yeah. they're, they're, the way that they react and operate in the world it kind of does remind me of a little bit of like Sansa Arya in terms of Mm. different perspectives and different ways to react to pressures of life or what's going on Alicent is billed as this you know more of the girly girl more of the person who does her father's bidding but then also is has a political mind in the way that she questions Rhaenyra about her succession and the role that she has with the prince that's Mm. coming and I think she, I really like Alicent already. Um, I think she, she's probably my favorite so far. Um, but Rhaenyra also her being not, not like exactly like Arya, but having this, I want to be different. I want to be a knight. I want to fight and I don't want to serve the realm with just my womb kind of a vibe. And the, these two characters as they're these two halves of the coin. And not to say that they're one is better than the other, even though I literally just said Alison's my favorite. But <laughs> <laughs> in terms of a macro perspective, in terms of how to be a woman in this world, um, I think mm. 
putting these two or on different sides of the coin is really interesting and just to see where where they're going with it i i really like it and it's it's actually a change from the book in terms of their friendship is not this like close um so it's interesting to see them as children in this way oh interesting yeah i was i was <laughs> there were two moments that kind of i was kind of feeling weird about one one of them was i think in one of the scenes uh between raymond and uh Rhaenyra, they i was reminded that oh yeah targaryens they're doing incest sometimes yep <laughs> it's just like i hope this doesn't occur here yep we're gonna get a lot of incest in this show okay. i would imagine i mean yeah and also um you don't have to say anything about this but uh in the scene after where, where the uh, hand of the king otto hightower sends his uh daughter Alison's to the uh, fuck grieving king. fuck otto hightower <laughs> uh, i really thought like you don't have to say anything about this if you know anything more but i won't say anything don't it worry kind of it kind of seemed to me like he wants to kind of position her as maybe the new uh queen maybe that like you know this is to kind of strengthen the bond between him and the king that like oh yeah she could also be like a new wife at some point I mean, he's just whoring out his daughter. I mean, that's obvious in this episode where he's just yeah. like, put on your mother's dress and go con- exactly. console <laughs> the king in his chambers. And yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. what the hell? <laughs> I think I think what they're trying to do is that he, Otto Hightower, is supposed to be the, the Charles Dance Tywin type person where he's like climbing yeah. for more and he's trying to, he doesn't care of, uh, on who he steps on on the way up. But all things considered, damn, he's an asshole. Yes, but which is funny because you have like two people, you have Damon and him kind of fighting a lot and they're both not great. <laughs> so what what, yeah. what does Viserys do, right? Yeah, well, I think that, you know, one of the cool things about Game of Thrones and having it back is the highlighting of a bunch of morally great characters, which is kind yeah. of cool. It is one of the few shows that really is just like there is no good characters out there. Mm. And I really like to see this uh, show develop that way. And what is coming, uh, I mean, I'm, you know, it's really exciting to see these shows. I really liked the conversation that Viserys has with Rhaenyra at the end of the show. Not because of the, mm-hmm. the, the end end of it, but when he's <laughs> sitting there, when he's talking in front of the skull of Balerion the Dread. Balerion yeah. was the, uh, was the, was the dragon of Aegon the Conqueror and famous, not famously. This is, I don't, this is in the past to the show. I, I, this is, can I give you a piece of information from the book, but it happens before this, if that sure, makes sense? Sure, sure. So um, Viserys rode Balerion. So that was his dragon um, after Aegon passed away. So a, a dragon can have multiple Ooh, riders. Interesting. Yeah. So Viser- Balerion was Viserys' dragon. And when Balerion dra- died, Viserys never took another dragon. So this is kind of their the relationship. So them standing there in front of Valerian and the Dread actually has a significant meaning to it. And mm-hmm. this is why he goes down to grieve and be thoughtful about life and what's going on um, in front of Valerian. So that's one aspect of the conversation that I like. But the thing that I really like the most is how he tells Rhaenyra about the power of dragons and their power mm-hmm. that man should never have trifled with. 
or mm-hmm. that the Targaryens shouldn't have trifled with. And it's it's a really unique moment of perspective for Targaryens because you often see them just kind of like power hungry and it's like, I want dragons, dragons, dragons. That's all they want. But mm-hmm. I think I really like Viserys in this moment of introspection where he thinks to himself, oh, actually, dragons aren't the end-all be-all. Like they're not, there aren't our power to control. Yeah, and I think, you know, this entire argument is had in that scene where he says to his daughter that, you know, it is an illusion that the Targaryens control the dragons, but that's their source of power. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Rhaenyra also says that, like, without dragons, they are just like everyone else. Yeah. Um. So that that is kind of a dilemma there. And I re- also really like that scene. Yeah, it's an amazing scene. And it reminds me of the conversation that um, Tyrion and Varys have in uh, Game of Thrones. Oi, I think it's season two. I can't remember exactly uh-huh. the season or episode, but where Varys gives him an anecdote of, I- I'm going to get it wrong, I'm sure, but um, like a sellsword, a priest, um, a king, and someone else, a rich man, oh, yeah. go into, yeah. um, uh, they each try to convince the sellsword to kill one of the others. And who does the sellsword kill, basically? And it's a, it's mm. a lesson on the roots of power and power i think the quote is power lies in the place where people believe it to lie something of that mm-hmm. nature i wish yeah. i had this written down damn it Rashan. uh but <laughs> in the end i think that's power is an imagination and it is a place where people believe it to be held and this is an exact reminder of that lesson here in the first episode of the season so you can see the the narrative through lines of the the goodness and the, the great messaging and not the goodness or great messaging just like the messages of game of thrones the show into this and you can see the depth of the conversations that are being had and the thoughtfulness of the dialogue and mm. each different scene that has interesting moments so this is why I'm optimistic about the future and think that this show so far, not bad. Good. I'm happy. Solid mm-hmm. beginning. Cool. Yeah. Another scene that I really liked was, um, I mean, I didn't like parts of it, like especially the bit depiction, obviously, but dramatically speaking, the intercutting of the, uh, of the tourney with the, uh, the queen's C-section. bed. Yeah. yeah. And, the commentary by I think Collis Valerian or the uh, the the queen that never was that they're celebrating birth by violence and how strange that is. But then it's it's a really cool thing because they f- say it at first and oh yeah this is ludicrous. But then three minutes later there it's just as gory in the bed chambers as it is uh, at, in the tourney pit um, where men are literally killing each other and you know they literally cut. Uh, am I open to so basically that Viserys gets the son and heir he's always wanted? He basically, yeah, he uh, sacrifices his own wife, basically for for the for the succession crisis, which he already had seen. Uh, you know, that's how he came to power, and he knows how dangerous it is. But yeah, it's 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 kind of an intense scene but i really like it as well just as the whole they make it very clear here as well in terms of gender uh things that you know in the very beginning you know it's all about boys and men and how that's all all there is and uh Rhaenyria s- says that as well it's like oh I, i'll never be this and that kind of like aria in the beginning right so um that's you know wh- why i found that a very interesting scene 
Well, now we're getting into our top four moments, so... Oh, that, the ha- previous thing wasn't your top four thing? Oh, no, no, no. I haven't uh, oh. transitioned into that, but... I also didn't know that we we're going to do an actual top four, but... Oh. I we're not ranking them. Oh, that I put top to four, me. but that's fine. That's, we don't yeah. have to rank them. That's actually my number four, though, is mm, the birth <laughs> scene for that specific yeah. reason. Um, the intercutting of the violence. Um, Emma, Queen Emma, when she talks about the womb is our or childbirth is our battlefield to Rhaenyra and if we have to face it with a stiff upper lip basically it is a it's a really cool foreshadowing to her own struggles that she's going to go with and that scene was so intense to watch my entire Mm. body was every muscle in my body was just tensing up as it was happening Mm. and it just reminds you that this show does not pull back nope and I'm 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 here for it (laughs) in some ways (laughs) I mean, I'd, I'd li- ideally like like to see less death in childbirth, but yeah. <laughs> it is um, it was a very powerful and moving scene between the two, between the the men fighting on the battlefield and then the woman, like the woman here, fighting mm. in the in the bedroom, I guess, or on the birthing table or on the birthing bed. Yeah, and it was also interesting, like a like an earlier scene where she says to Viserys that this is going to be the last time because she's already had, this is going to be the fifth child and only one of them has survived so far and she's not going to do any more. Yeah. So that, that, that was also very telling of how, you know, especially, you know, thinking back to that scene that you mentioned uh, where basically she says, you know, this is our battlefield. And if you want to see it like that, like she's lost about like more than she's won. And that's a lot of pain to carry. So yeah, there's just a very intense scene. Oh, so what's your number three? Um, my number three is, I mean, these top four moments that we're going to talk about, they're not always the best things and they're not always, no. they're just like <laughs> top four that we want to talk about, I guess, or things that yeah. stood out to us. And for me, it's, we mentioned in the past already is Otto sending Alicent into um, Viserys' chambers. And mm-hmm. on the one hand, my first reaction was like, fuck you, Otto, don't whore out your, your daughter. But the way Alicent handles it with, decorum to- towards her father and then going into Viserys' chambers and speaking conciliatory words in a very affecting way and mm-hmm. the way that she composes herself in front of a king is admirable and her own experience having lost her own mother and her own family members and her la- the way that she references how the way that people spoke to her was never enough it seems subtle in the grand scheme of this show, where you have someone dying on the table, people dying on in the in the tournament, et cetera, et cetera. But I think it's a very affecting thing for someone where her father is like basically go whore yourself out. So I think that in in the face of in the face of that struggle, her strength is apparent and her wisdom is apparent in that moment. So I, I just found and I guess I've referenced how I like Alicent already so much, so I had to put her on this list. <laughs> Yeah, I th- I think that goes to show how people who are not yet adults are always marginalized as not being smart, and I mean, including by myself. Uh, uh, but she just shows so much emotional intelligence here, and I thought that was very striking. I'm going to confuse everyone now because I'm just going to retcon everything by saying I'm just going to do a reverse top four. <laughs> so like my number one was the was the intercutting thing, and my number two is um the discussion about the succession right after the basically the funeral oh cool that's on my list as well yeah, so we cool. can wait till it's on yeah. mine i guess 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We can wait. We can wait. That's fine. So, what's your next one? Uh, my number two, I guess we're kind of intersecting here, is the conversation at the Iron Throne um, when mm. between Damon and his brother and Viserys, and they're bicker- not bickering. They're fighting back and forth. Their disagreements. Viserys challenging Damon to deny the fact that he said air for a day in front of everyone else where Damon stands steadfast. He doesn't deny it. He doesn't agree to it. He doesn't actually accept it. Uh, but he does say that everyone grieves in their own way. And he tries to kind of reach out to Viserys as their brother. And it's this really cool conflict, this brother on brother fighting that is the, the so what? What am I trying to say? <laughs> Eloquence. Yeah, I'm so good at it. The thing is, th- their fight, their fighting, their conflict is brought out by Otto Hightower and his spies, and him being the one to put the rumors into the ear of Viserys. And this idea that we're not actually sure whether or not Damon did say it, because we didn't see it in person, and all we get is the information mm. from Otto Hightower. And Viserys, all he knows is what other people have told him, and Damon doesn't actually say it. And he, I think he's more that you could see that scene, and this is what I love about the scene is that you could see it as okay, Damon is guilty, and he's just admitting it. But you could also see it as Damon is innocent, but he's so hurt that Viserys is taken aback by this, or he's reacting in this way that his own stubbornness is getting in the way of them being on good terms. And so, Damon is a very proud man. A very you can see this in this first episode and Viserys is as well a little bit probably less so in terms of his stubbornness but it is uh I love the breakdown of relationships in this way and how much they they meant and the different potential narrative threads that could have happened if things could have gone differently yeah I I like that scene as well um though (laughs) you know Damon's uh claim that he only wants to protect his brother is kind of weird I mean that's the thing you <clears throat> that's the thing you would say in that kind of thing but like nothing we have seen kind of directly or even indirectly uh, makes a case for that but yeah that was very in, uh, still very interesting I'm just going to give a quick shout out to a few other scenes because we're going to talk about the big scene after this I really like the like foreshadowing that the or like the showing that the king has a wound and just being trained by by TV and especially Game of Thrones. Like I was immediately I was like, oh he's gonna die he's gonna die from that eventually. <laughs> Where, <laughs> this is not the last time we've seen this. <laughs> uh, it was just so funny. It was like oh, oh we could just cauterize it. Oh yeah I guess that works too. I was like oh, okay, but I'm sure it's gonna come back. Well I like his his mindset where he's like. It'll heal. It'll heal. Things never heal in Game of Thrones. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say this is this is like this is not the 20th century, my friend, where we have uh, actually like me- medical technology. You're gonna die. I I like the through line, the th- like the theme of the succession crisis, how that it just goes through every gen- generation, and uh, yeah, which leads leads me directly to the last scene to talk about the aforementioned discussion about the succession right after the funeral. I like. Just just before that, we we know that, okay, the newborn is a boy, but he died merely hours after he was born. And so all of this was for nothing. And now both of them are dead and the king is grieving and they have that discussion. And all of that is obviously 
important, but the best thing about that is that Damon's listening and you can like the reactions on his face, especially when uh I think I think it's when Viserys says that uh, he lacks. I think the patience, the patience for power, uh, and then he just like Damon just smirks, and uh, Otto Hightower says there has never been anyone who's not been patient enough for power, especially absolute power, and that was kind of a that was just a classic Game of Thrones style uh, dialogue about power, the nature of power and those who want to wield it. Well, I actually reacted. To another moment when Damon, uh, you know, when the camera's focusing on Damon, when Viserys mm. is defending him. And you can see the sincerity and the pride that Damon has in his face. Mm. You can see this brotherly love, you know, seeping out very slowly on the face of Damon. So that tenderness, kind of that relationship that he has with his family is very back and forth, obviously, even in this episode, we can see. And I, I guess. You know, when he goes in the funeral, when he goes up to Rhaenyra and he's like, oh, your father needs you now more than ever. And he consoles mm. her and, and advises her. It, it's a really interesting relationship. And obviously the pseudo incestual scene where he puts the 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 necklace on her on her neck is this little bit creepy scene, honestly. There, There's yes. this back and forth. We get to see two sides of the coin of Daemon Targaryen. So it, yeah. it's really interesting. And you can see all of that in that scene about the succession in a silent moment for Damon when he's just hiding in the corner looking at them doing their thing so well done yeah and I I also like the makeup of the of the council Uh, I forget his name but one of one of the council members is the father from Fleabag and I was so happy to see him (laughs) so (laughs) cool Uh, obviously Carlos Valerian is super interesting especially because of his his partner I suppose that's that's an interesting dynamic so House Valerian is a is also another um, house from Valyria Um, they're not a dragon riding house but they do come from Valyria and this this marriage between the main la- main house Targaryen with Rhaenys and him are a really interesting kind of it, it changes the game right in some ways for them mm-hmm. as a family and he is extremely 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 rich that's what yeah. is like that's what you got to know about him I guess so, so far he seems like the most interesting member but yeah 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 other than Otto who's just like who's meant to yeah. be interesting which is never yeah. that interesting if that makes sense. <laughs> exactly it's not not the person you point to but the other person who does the other and more interesting stuff in the background but yeah. just as an aside just i can't take anyone seriously like his name is otto come on like everybody has cool names and this guy's just it's named otto, otto. Like, come yeah. on well i mean come on john <laughs> i mean i guess yeah, yeah john snow that yeah, does exactly. get more basic than that but yeah ned yeah but i feel like just because it's so many of them it kind of it's okay they're a family unit oh they got bored <laughs> they're just like <laughs> <laughs> yeah but like everybody else is just like kind of has interesting names and he's just Otto Otto well Hightower. I'd so rather cool. have a unique name than what the Targaryens do and then recycle all the same names over yeah, and over true. again that's not ideal it's very true yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, <laughs> yeah. I totally get what you mean Otto's kind of a boring name but interesting yeah. guy just because I don't know Ned or something I can I can live with it but Otto just sounds like funny to me Mm -hmm. but that's that's totally beside the point before we get into like our predictions i want to talk about one specific thing that is probably the most significant canon busting thing that came out of this episode and it is that 
the is it is in the conversation in front of Balerian skull where the vision yeah where what's his face of uh, a series tells Rhaenyra the secret that goes from uh, from king to heir from king to heir throughout the line of the Targaryens yeah. a secret vision or dream that Aegon the Conqueror had and motivated one of the different motivations of him coming to take over the, set, the seven kingdoms and this I had a huge eye roll at this when they called it a song in ice and fire. Yes. I was totally fine with everything about this except this part <laughs> where they're like, and he called it the song of ice and fire. But why, why, why would you give a vision that particular name? That makes no sense. At the, so I, I had the same eye roll. Um, I like the idea of it. And yeah. um, the idea actually connects to a lot of what's happening in game of thrones proper in terms of the secret had potentially been lost and that influenced a lot of the changes and the moves that what what happened after robert's rebellion so i apparently so this is a and i was looking into a little bit more if you don't mind me just kind of ranting not ranting a little bit explaining a little bit so apparently this was specifically added by george rr martin um in this moment to call it a song in ice and fire because of a specific tie-in that is he is planning apparently for the books uh that he is still out to come that yeah so it is a very specific addition that will have significant consequence for the mainline book series that eventually will you know probably come out after he dies but yeah in 15 to 20 years yeah that news assuaged my concern slightly in terms of them calling it a song on ice and fire because it's a very specific thing but the idea of this secret prophecy going from king to heir king to heir made me think a lot and i really like that specific idea and my suspicion or this this theory that i like is that the the king to heir secret and I don't know, this is something because it's a show edition. This is complete speculation. I think it was potentially lost when the Mad King gave the secret maybe to Rhaegar. And Rhaegar never was able to pass it down to his heir because all of the mm-hmm. heirs died really young and he died quite young. So the idea that Rhaegar was acting in Robert's Rebellion or before Robert's Rebellion very, very specifically with the idea of this prophecy and and fulfilling this prophecy and making sure that it comes true because what we know about Rhaegar is that he was very into prophecies and he was yeah. one of the reasons why he kind of wed uh, uh, Lyanna Stark a spoiler alert for Game of Thrones sorry everyone um <laughs> was that he really believed oh the dragon has three heads he needed a third son he needed someone else and he could no longer um, have a child with his current wife so this idea of prophecy was a big uh, part of his, uh, his of his mindset so i think that this idea that he was operating with the mindset of this a song and ice and fire prophecy this Aegon the conqueror prophecy in his mind was a re- is a really interesting one so it, it connects a lot of the different motivations of the targaryens from generations to generations so i really like that idea the, calling it what it, what it was, a little eye rolly, but I'm a, I'm gonna have to like trust George on this, um, and one yeah. day we'll see whether or not that comes to fruition. And we're gonna talk about it on Serial Hooked in 15 years. <laughs> if we're here 15 <laughs> years from now, oof. yeah. 
<laughs> let's see. But One other eye rolly thing that I really didn't like. I I don't know actually for me versus you, someone who has read the book for versus not. I really didn't like the opening voiceover and the view of the Great Council. And I don't know what you think about that because the Great Council was a very significant moment in Targaryen succession history. And I mean, we see the ramifications of it in, in the show that we're seeing, but I don't think they needed to show it at the beginning like that. But I don't know what you thought about the opening sequence. It's funny because we've, I mean, this is going to be out of sync, but we just talked about a lot of the rings and how that, that has a whole prologue which is, is just a lot of uh, exposition. I don't know. I was kind of, I felt like that could have been omitted. It could have been handled differently just with a few di- lines of dialogue that didn't actually have to show it. And so, yeah, it was kind of superfluous in a way. It was, it struck me weird just because I thought either have this, this be like an extended scene, but not just, or, or just leave it out. But don't have this be like a two-minute thing, which I thought was just kind of weird. I I mean, I wasn't a big fan of it. Um, I think, yeah, it's, it's kind of anti-Game of Thrones because Game of Thrones tends to give you information through people reflecting on the past. If you look back to the first season, it's yeah. really much like we don't get any, we never see Robert's Rebellion. It's all talked about the eyes of the people who are still alive. And that would have been really interesting, more interesting than to actually see it in person. And there, ha- there would have been so many opportunities to ju- literally have another sentence somewhere where they talk about about that, uh, you know, w- w- with regards to Renaris or, or even Viserys in the council, something like that, or even even in the scene between uh, Viserys and Rhaenyra or Daemon and Rhaenyra, something like that. There's so many, and even the reference in the tourney, oh, from the queen who never was, like that exactly. kind of reference makes so much more power when you do. Like, what is he talking about? And mm-hmm. then you're able to tease that out slowly. That's a that's amazing, and then. Yeah, so I, I think it's really interesting to see it more that way. So I was a little disappointed by the beginning. And then the, yeah. don't get me started on the opening title card. Uh, I was like, <laughs> you, you don't have to tell us where we are. Like that yeah. really, when I first saw those two things, I was like, oh no, we're headed in the wrong direction. And then the main episode started and I was like, okay, we're fine. But okay. uh, yeah. the beginning was a little bit off to a rocky start for me. Mm. yeah i uh the the title card kind of passed me by it was it was an eye roll for sure but i was like oh okay i guess we're doing this now i guess we have to remind people that game of thrones exists uh because Why? i'm sure nobody knows about it who's watching this show that's the thing like who is watching this show and won't be like oh the targaryens there's a bunch of them this must be in the past like <laughs> that's that's enough oh my god yeah. or if you really want you can make other references to what whatever year it is and yeah. people who care will will people who care know exactly <laughs> that's the whole point right so stupid uh, whatever whatever we're here now and looking forward to the next the rest of the season what's going to happen in the next episode is there things that you're particularly looking forward to seeing as someone who doesn't know what's coming i guess I don't know. I'm just I'm just gonna be interested to see how literally everything develops. What uh, there already there are so many things that we could follow. I I hope we get a few cuts back and forth, different locations. As I said earlier, I hope that uh, you know it's going to be interesting to see how obviously Rhaenyra is gonna be as the successor 
or rather just heir. I think it's more interesting to see how they will react to her being named the heir. I think the different characters will yeah. react very differently um, from Damon all the way down to Otto, which I feel like are in opposite spectrums right now. And the entire council and Alicent and everyone. Yeah, I think it'll be really of. interesting to see that. Obviously, also they um, they tease the Dornish uh, knight. Yeah, Sir Kristen Cole. Yeah, a Roman's waiting to happen at some point. Yeah, I'm just going to be curious to see what everybody's up to and how things are going to be developing. Yeah, there's a few things that I'm interested in. So one thing is, how is Damien going to react to being cast aside, basically, and then being yeah. sent away to his, I guess he, he called his wife ugly, <laughs> um, <laughs> or he doesn't want to be with her, essentially. So to be with in in the middle of nowhere basically and taking his like his console or whatever like with him that was interesting it's like okay how is this gonna work yeah i think the targaryens are like very much polygamous um so mm. i don't think that matters too much to them it might matter to his wife i, I was gonna say <laughs> i wonder if we'll meet her but yeah so there's that i wonder also we saw how the city watch was so loyal to him and would do so much yes. violence uh, how are they gonna react the City Watch, yeah, and nice. they also teased it in the episode, being like, oh, the City Watch is an army 2,000 strong in the middle of the city that you gave to Damon. Mm-hmm. Like, how is that going to all come to fruition? So yeah. there's a couple interesting Damon things specifically that I'm interested in. We mentioned Rhaenyra and how people are going to react to her succession. I think that will be really interesting. What does Otto Hightower do now that Damon is out of the way? Like, no one is really there to blame anymore for anything wrong that happens basically because in the past he could just be like oh it's damon's fault damon's fault like what is otto gonna do now where like Mm -hmm. now he's all in there and viserys i would like to see how his continued grief you know how does that manifest and what's gonna happen with him continuing to be like where is he going to find his i don't know the journey of his grief where is that gonna come how is that gonna manifest um and as you know me i love grief Mm mm-hmm yeah that's very true i'm also really interested to see how rhaenyra and otto are gonna interact like i'm sure otto is gonna try Uh, to set his claws into her and trying to influence her from this like comparatively young age so that he will kind of uh strengthen his position of power and uh it wouldn't surprise me if rhaenyra was not not having any of it but that would also of course in in turn uh, influence her relationship to her friend Alicent. So that's what I was gonna say. The asshole's probably gonna try to use his daughter to get at Rhaenyra. It's all gonna be drama, baby, and I'm here for it. All right. All that said, thank you for listening. Um, if you like the show, give us a five star rating. And I guess with that, see you next time. Thanks for listening. I forget what we say here now. Whatever. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs>